You're listening to Sourced with Stu Finer. Hi folks, Stu Finer, ready to roll Sourced with Stu Finer. Thank you for coming to my podcast. Thank you for spending your precious time with me. I know how competitive the podcast industry is, so I appreciate your ear. I appreciate your listen. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you. And we are ready to roll ending October, the fall classic underway. The L.A. Dodgers during September put on a run and made it to the World Series where at the All-Star break, it looked like they were going to be the best team in baseball, win almost 120 games, then they fell in the fucking toilet. But they do represent the National League. The Houston Astros were the best team 90% of the year in the American League until the Cleveland Indians caught fire, but the Indians got eliminated by the New York Yankees and the Astros in an epic series eliminated the New York Yankees. So now in the World Series, we have the Astros playing the Dodgers, the Dodgers with home field advantage. Clayton Kershaw wins game one. Then in an epic back and forth game, wire to wire, fuck is this baseball juiced? The Astros hit more home runs than anybody's ever hit in such a short period of time and win in extra innings at Los Angeles. So as I'm recording this podcast right now, game three will be tonight. The Astros winning their first game ever in the World Series at Los Angeles. And obviously this will be their first home game tonight in the World Series. Should be quite exciting. Uh, This is pretty much a pick'em situation right now where the Astros winning a game on the road. Uh, we gave the Astros out to win the World Series plus $1.40. Now, if you wanted to bet the Astros to win the World Series, you would have to lay $1.15. So it should be quite interesting what's going on here, and uh, we'll see what happens in baseball. And obviously, the World Series is always fucking amazing. Um, just to touch on a couple of notes here. New York Yankees skipper... Joe Girardi, after 10 years at the helm, one championship, averaging roughly 90 wins a year, the best record in Major League Baseball, gets axed. He really did not get along with Brian Cashman, the GM, and as we know now, infinitum, it's been regurgitated left and right. GMs run baseball teams now. No longer the manager, not really the players, the GM. And the GM can literally call down into the fucking dugout and call plays and call pitches and make moves and fire managers. Joe Girardi definitely wanted to come back. He had a four-year, $16 million contract. His last contract could have been $5 million a year, I think. And he desperately wanted to come back because arguably the Yankees have the best talent in Major League Baseball. Not only are they very young, they're very prolific, But their farm system right now is the best in Major League Baseball. They have four of the top 30 players in minor leagues. And they're really stocked and ready to roll. So who the fuck would not want to manage them? Um, The knock on Girardi was he is tight as a fist. 
He coaches and manages every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series in over 162-game season. And over 10 years, I guess, that wore the Yankees' management out. Now, Yankees have only really had two managers over the last 20-some-odd years, and that was Joe Torre and Joe Girardi. So now they're going to pick a person that Brian Cashman can really control. Uh, the manager now on really a lot of these baseball teams is a puppet for the organization and goes directly by the sabermetric numbers, by the numbers, pure numbers, because you could scout the fuck out of every single infinitum team, circumstance, what happens in certain situations, and that's the manager that the New York Yankees want. So, you know, for my money right now, I just get Tony LaRusso and call it a fucking day. Brian Cashman's probably going to go with someone that doesn't have a lot of managerial experience, if any at all. And we'll see where the Yankees go. The number one franchise in the history of sports with the most championships. No one's even near them. No one can kiss their ass. So it's probably the most coveted job in the fucking world. You know, a lot of people say no one would want to be here because of the pressure. Well, who the fuck would not want to coach the Yankees? Who would not want to be the, Yank the Yankees manager? Jesus fucking Christ. Who wouldn't? Everybody would. Everybody would. So Joe Girardi right now is absolutely crushed. Outside shot, he'll be offered the Washington Nationals job. And I would say, truth be told, if the Red Sox and the Mets did not have managers in place less than two weeks ago, less than a week ago, Joe Girardi would have been high on their list also, either to coach the Red Sox or the Mets, which I'm sure Joe Girardi would have loved to fuck the Yankees right up the ass and have the Mets make an epic run with him at the helm or the Red Sox, their hated rival, at the helm, but it's not going to happen. And I would say it's odds on he goes to the Nationals because why the fuck not? Dusty Baker could not get this team over the top. Again, he had two epic regular seasons and could not get out of the first round of the playoffs. Could not get out of the first round. So Dusty is golfing, Joe Girardi's golfing, and I would say Girardi, odds on, will take the Nationals job. He still wants to coach, still wants to manage. His son's an epic ball player. Yes, he can watch his son play sports. But I don't think that's going to quench his fire because he is a fucking psycho. He's military. He's eight egg whites a day, works out the same fucking time. Looks like a Marine is in perfect tip-top shape. He's not a huggy, cushy, feely, let's hug it out. There's no love fest with Girardi, but he gets the job done. He gives 100%. And the knock on him is that he plays every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series. Now, of course, he makes mistakes like everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's human. I really liked him. I thought he was a class guy. He was an honest guy. He was intense. And he now is the ex-manager of the New York Yankees. So he leaves with a resume with one championship in 2009, three championships as a New York Yankee player and catcher and the best record in Major League Baseball over the last decade, and that was not enough to hold his job, Brian Cashman said, Fuck you! Joe Girardi, eat my ass! Bye-bye, baby! And that's pretty much how it went. With a lot of coldness and not a lot of pop and circumstance, it was bye-bye, Joe. See you, Joe. So long, Joe. And the people weighing in is about 80-20 right now for Joe Girardi. They would rather have him back. 
And I guess that's because of the unknown, because we do not know who the Yankees are going to get. And the Yankees were one game away from going to the World Series, so every Yankee fan has to be excited that they made it this far, and now you don't know if they're going to make it back, because it's just not as simple. Just because you make it one year doesn't mean you're going to come back the next year. It's just the way it is. And just because you pick to come back doesn't mean you're going to. Cleveland Indians were the odds-on favorite to come back, and look what happened to them. They get eliminated by the New York Yankees with home field advantage, no less, with their ace getting beat two games, no less. So you just never know how it's going to flow. So baseball on the way right now. Dodgers, Astros, 1-1 as we speak. Dodgers were a $1.70 favorite in the World Series. We gave out the Astros to win the World Series, plus a buck 40. Now the Astros are now a $1.10, $1.15 favorite to win the World Series. So we got good value here. We're getting over to the NFL right now and a little bit of a recap. Obviously, no undefeated teams right now, and it is so fucking wide open, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, division leaders, you got the Chiefs at 5-2, and two, you got Jacksonville, holy fuck Jacksonville, holy fuck. Tom Coughlin doing a great job as the GM over there, Doug Marone. Great job as the head coach. Pittsburgh Steelers at 5-2. and two. Chiefs 5-2, Patriots 5-2, Steelers 5-2. Any of them could win the Super Bowl. Any of them could represent the AFC. Then your second tier right now, which probably has a zero shot of really getting to the Super Bowl, would be Buffalo and Miami. And I saw a stat last night. We gave out the Ravens, minus three. For some reason, everybody loved the fucking Miami Dolphins. I have no fucking idea why until I saw the stat. Do you realize, up until last night, the Miami Dolphins had... The second most wins in the NFL since the middle of last year. The second most wins. I can't fucking believe that. Patriots and Chiefs were tied at 15 wins. Miami Dolphins had 13 wins. And then you had the Steelers and the Cowboys at 12 wins. So I guess that's why everybody's betting Miami last night. Because you bet Miami, especially just to win the game, considering they were a three-point dog on the road against a subpar Raven team that looks okay and then looks like dog shit and then... Really, Joe Flacco was hard-pressed to get his offense going. He was not having his best year at all. And last night, Alonzo almost killed him and put him in the hospital with a concussion. But before the game started, there was so much money on Miami, it was fucking ridiculous. And I gave out the Ravens. I thought the Ravens at home was an easy bet. And I didn't think it was going to be 40 to nothing, but it was 40 to nothing! And I continued just to be on fucking fire in the NFL. I mean, I am just on fucking fire. I'm winning it over an 80% clip on my best bets. I'm hitting 63% overall on every selection in the NFL. And it's just been stealing fucking money. College football, eh. Although I'm coming off a 4-2 and two best bet um, the prior Saturday. My Major League Baseball, which was epic in April, May, June, and July, has become subpar or middle of the road since then. And NBA basketball, though I had a great night last night, 5-1 and one on best bets, which brought my best bet record to over 500 for the first time this year. Uh, every fucking favorites have been covering, so when favorites cover like that, especially in the NBA, I really do not do that well. But right now, I'm over 500 in the NBA, 5-1 and one last night on best bets, really ready to streak. And my free picks have been undefeated. I've given out six free picks right now in the NBA. I give them out on Snapchat. I'm five wins, no losses, and a push. Five wins, no losses, and a push. Dallas Mavericks last night, plus the points, cover against the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's pretty funny. Grizzlies jumped to a 23-point lead, and about 
I don't know, 150 people from Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat were calling me every name under the book, Jew, Kike, Fat Stew, Hope You Die Running the Marathon Stew, you know, really loving, kind things. And then fuck all of you because the Mavericks ended up covering. So again, they do not give money out at the half or end of at the end of three quarters or at the end of one quarter unless you're betting first quarter, second quarter, third quarters, which I do not do those bets. So the Mavericks cover, I remain undefeated in the NBA on Snapchat. Another reason why you should go to my Snap every day. Almost a million views a day. 13,000 people a day listen to 70 snaps. Close to a million views. So I give free picks on the Snap and I make you fucking laugh. So why not? Why fucking not? So get over to my Snapchat. So the NFL right now in the AFC is so fucking wide open, it's absolutely unbelievable. Now... Denver and the Chargers, are they, can they actually win the Super Bowl this year? Probably not. Can Tennessee and Houston? I don't think so. Can Baltimore or Cincinnati? I don't think so. Buffalo, Miami? I don't think so. So really, you got four fucking teams right now in the AFC. And really, you got three, because I don't think Jacksonville can make it the whole thing. I don't think they could run the table and really sustain uh, what's going to be necessary. But they're playing good ball right now, and they have the top offense in the NFL, which is unbelievable even to say that. So it's probably going to be Kansas City, Pittsburgh, or New England representing the AFC. Over in the NFC, uh, the Eagles right now are the class of the NFL, but it is the Philadelphia Eagles. And obviously, they're getting unbelievable quarterback play from Carson Wentz. But now they lose two main players, one on the offensive line, one on defensive uh, linebacker. Big, big injuries that could push them back. And obviously, this is a war of attrition. In the NFL, who's going to be fucking healthy in December and January when it actually counts? But right now, the Eagles are 6-1 with the best record in the NFL. The Rams, surprisingly, are playing so good, so good right now at 5-2. and two. Seattle right behind them at 4-2. and two. New Orleans at 4-2. and two. Carolina at 4-3. and three. Panthers just don't look like they have it. Cam Newton is just so inconsistent. I don't know if he's going to go anywhere. And I just don't think the Saints have the defense, shutdown defense, really to make a move. Vikings right now are 5-2 and two, with Aaron Rodgers not being there. Uh, Packers are 4-3, and three, but they're short-lived to have a winning record. They easily could go in the toilet. They are competitive. They play well. They're coached well, but they just do not have the horses. When you lose the best player in the NFL, you're pretty much fucked. The Lions do everything possible but win games. At 3-3 three and three right now, I don't think they're going to make a move. Cowboys, of course, can make a move, and so can the Redskins, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So right now in the NFC, you would have to odds-on figure. I mean, it pretty much looks like it's going to be the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Redskins. Looks like somebody's coming out of the NFC East, but not the team I thought would be, which was the Giants, as they're in the toilet at 1-6. Seattle could get hot and absolutely could have the best defense in the NFL. And definitely could beat Philadelphia when it counts. So right now, who's going to come out of the NFC? Throw a dart. Seattle would be my odds-on favorite right now. Followed right behind it by Philly and Dallas. And I think the Rams are a year away. I don't think New Orleans and Carolina has the horses. Atlanta has shown absolutely nothing. It as It's as if that team doesn't even want to play football anymore. They look that fucking bad. They look that fucking lost. I mean, they are really not the team we thought they were going to be. Barely a 500 team right now playing dog shit. Really dog shit. They can't fucking score. Matty Ice 
is ice fucking cold. So right now, NFL's wide open. There is no clear-cut favorite to do fucking dick. So it's going to be a phenomenal year parody at its finest. Why fucking not? Why not? As we get into November, normally the pretenders will fall by the wayside for the next month, and then come December 1, we'll have a clearer picture. But right now, if the Super Bowl was played today, you would probably put the Eagles against the Chiefs. And if that was the matchup, before the injuries, I would have picked the Eagles. But with these injuries right now, and the Chiefs have lost two straight, mind you, I would say it has to be either the Chiefs or the Patriots still favorite to win the Super Bowl. Steelers, I guess, can win the Super Bowl, but they've been inconsistent too. So NFL right now, take a fucking dart, throw it, because no one knows what the fuck's going on right now. We get over to college football, and like I told you, Penn State season started last week where they absolutely obliterated Michigan. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, Jesus fucking Christ, are you out of your fucking mind? That was the, one of the worst coach games I've ever seen in my life. He was outclassed, outperformed, outhustled, outmanned, and Penn State pissed all over them. Penn State now goes up against their toughest opponent, Ohio State. It's pretty interesting that the number two team in the nation is a six-point dog to the number six team in the nation. Ohio State, after losing, has really come on strong right now, and they're playing phenomenal ball. Alabama is still humiliating everybody at 8-0. Penn State 7-0. Georgia 7-0. TCU 7-0. Wisconsin 7-0. Ohio State 6-1. Clemson 6-1. Then the bottom would be Miami 6-0. Oklahoma 6-1. Notre Dame 6-1. Playing phenomenal ball. Notre Dame right now is unbelievable. Playing the best ball they've ever played ever. Ranked 10th. Washington 6-1, Oak State 6-1, VTech 6-1, and, and South Florida 7-0, and can South Florida score? Fuck yes. So the number one game this week is going to be Penn State, Ohio State. The odds makers are telling you that Ohio State's going to beat them. The odds makers are telling you Ohio State's going to drill them. But obviously this game has to be played. It's a monster game for Ohio State. Probably much, much more important for Ohio State than Penn State. Penn State will only be their first loss of the year. Ohio State will have two losses, and that could really severely damage their hopes of getting into the top four in the playoff format that is here right now. It's a life-or-death game for Ohio State. Of course, Penn State wants to win the game, but it's not life-or-death for Penn State. Penn State can afford to lose this game. The odds makers are telling you that the pressure is on Ohio State. It's a much more critical game for Ohio State. It's why the number two team in the nation is a six-point dog. And that's the game everybody's going to watch. And right now, if I have to bet the game, I'm laying the number. Laying the number. And I picked Penn State to win the national championship, as you know. But I don't like them in this spot. I do not like them in this spot. I don't like them to cover, matter of fact, and I don't like them to win. It's going to be a really tough game, but we will see. We will see. George is playing great fucking ball right now. They're undefeated, and they really are a rock-solid team. And you have to be very, very impressed with them soup to nuts. You really do. I mean, TCU is undefeated, and they're playing great ball, too. Wisconsin really, I don't know, they're 7-0, but I think they've done it with mirrors. I'm not really impressed with them going all the way. I mean, Clemson, you know what Clemson can do. Very well coached, and they can make a run. Miami, Florida can make a run. I mean, Notre Dame really right now looks like they're going to somehow get into the top four. They're not there now. You know, one poll has them 9, one poll has them 10, but, you know, the way they're playing right now, I think they're going to be in the top four. I mean, it looks like they're going to be in the top four. They're just playing great, great, great fucking ball. 
They humiliated USC, which was absolutely stunning how bad they blew USC out. It was stunning to watch. It really was. And uh, college football right now gets into November, and the season is almost over. You, know, you only really have three weeks left of college football. That's really it, and then it whittles down. College football goes very, very quick. Hot and heavy September, October. Then you got some critical games in November, and that's all she wrote. And that's all she fucking wrote. So it's going to be very, very interesting. The marquee game on the card on Saturday will be Penn State, Ohio State, Ohio State again. Number six is a six-point favorite over number two. The public is coming in very, very heavy on Penn, Penn State, rightfully so. Why not? Number two team in the nation covers almost every game. Humiliated Michigan. Ohio State, although they're playing great as of late, there is some kinks in their armor. And they could get beat. I just don't think so. Ohio State's defense is just phenomenal. And I think they're going to have a lot of problems, Penn State, on both sides of the ball. Legitimately both sides of the ball. So we'll see what happens there. But that's really a quick overview of college football, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. NBA, really, you cannot tell absolutely nothing right now. The Warriors are so much better than every other team. It's ridiculous. They're laying double digits against everybody every night on the road or whatever. They haven't really played great yet, but they have so much better talent than everybody else. It's not even funny. Uh, Cavaliers probably will come out of the East. It'll probably be the Cavaliers getting swept by the Warriors. I mean, is Isaiah Thomas going to make a difference once he gets healthy? Absolutely. Um, can the Celtics beat the Cavs? I just do not think so. I don't think Washington can beat the Cavs. I don't think anybody can beat the Cavs. I don't think Toronto can beat the Cavs. So it's going to be the Cavs. And we know nobody really in the West is going to beat the Warriors. I mean, can Oak City make it fun? Fuck yes. Can San Antonio make it fun? Fuck yes. Um, could the Spurs... I, I just I just don't think they I don't I just don't think it. I think the Warriors are just that much better. The Clippers, I just think they're that much better. I don't think there's anybody and I have no, no, no confidence at all in uh James Harden. We watched what he did last year. He's a fucking choke artist. He's just gonna choke. He's got no fucking heart. He's got no heart. Guy's got no dick. When it counted, didn't even take a fucking shot in the first quarter of a key game. Come on. And the game is fucking over. What do you take? Six shots? The guy was a fucking joke. So I don't have any faith in the Rockets at all during the regular season and maybe even the first couple of rounds of the playoffs don't make some noise, but when it really counts, James Harden can suck my dick. He's a piece of shit. He's a fucking loser. He's got no dick. He really doesn't, and that's really how I feel. So, you know, the NBA is just a matter of how many games the Warriors are going to win and how easily they're going to run through the playoffs, and after they win two in a row, will they win three in a row and four or five? That's pretty much the only fucking... Uh, Drama there. They're that much better. So let's touch on a couple of things right now. Obviously, everyone knows I'm a big fan of Barstool Sports. I'm a stoolie. I love Big Cat. I love PFT. I love El Presidente. Love Hank. Love Rhea. Love KFC. The most talented company I've ever seen in my life. The most hardest working company the most creative, the most innovative, and they make me fucking laugh. And it looks very easy what they do, but it is extremely hard what they do. And they do it so effort, effortlessly, and they do it so fluently, and they do it seamlessly that it's just amazing. It looks like they do it with no effort, 
and they are goofy, and they are flat-out fucking entertaining. I want to see everything they do. I want to know the take of what they have on life, on pertinent information in the world. Pardon my take. I want to know their take. And I was extremely excited now that they had a partnership with ESPN2. And I thought it was going to be a monster hit because obviously they have a phenomenal backing. And their stoolies come out and support them whether it's watching them on the internet, whether it's the number one podcast in the world, pardon my take, that's on three ta- three times a week, that gets almost a million downloads each episode, that's done so well, whether it's selling shirts, flags, banners, anything they put out, whether it's a pizza review, whether it's just Rhea selling her stuff, being funny, being Rhea, whether it's KFC on the radio, as good as anyone has ever been ever. He could talk on any subject and make it sound phenomenal and entertaining and enjoyable. And you got to love him. He's lovable. And obviously, Big Cat PFT are the two greatest that have ever done what they do. The best bloggers ever, best entertainers ever. And they could just make anything fucking funny. So it was such a coup for ESPN2 to get them. Not the reverse. Not the reverse. Not the reverse. Barstool did not need ESPN2. ESPN2 needed fucking Barstool. Because Barstool brings the young audience into the mix. ESPN2 are people my fucking age. Really, my age. 50, 60, 40. Barstool is the lifeblood of any new company or any company that wants to have eyeballs, A, that make money, B, that spend money, C, that watch product. So it was such a coup for ESPN2 to get Barstool and to get Big Cat and PFT in a van, having fun. And their first episode was fucking excellent. There's no two ways about it. It was excellent. It was funny. It was enjoyable. It was what I thought it would be. And I was so looking forward to watching them at 1 a.m., on Tuesday, every single Tuesday. I would watch them at five in the morning, two in the morning, anytime. And I wasn't the only person because I almost got 100,000 fucking people to watch at one in the morning for a first fucking brand new show, which is epic. Which is like uh, Mr. Portnoy said, El President, they said it was 10 times anybody else gets fucking ratings at one in the fucking morning. Okay. And somehow it didn't go well. Somehow ESPN2 took them off the air and cut it after one episode because of past transgressions, supposedly that Barstool said to certain employees, women employees, employees of ESPN, ESPN2, blah, 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 blah. As if ESPN2 didn't fucking know this. As if ESPN didn't know this. As if this was a fucking shock. Hey, morons in ESPN, ESPN2. You don't do your homework. You didn't know who you're getting in bed with. The reason you wanted them is the reason you took them off the air, you fucking jerk-offs. They move the needle. They say things that are shocking or funny. They insult people certain times. They rub people the wrong way, but that's who they are. That's why we love them and why ESPN2 suck my fucking cock. ESPN2, if you didn't have Scott Van Pelt, your whole fucking channel would go off the fucking air. Nobody would even watch you. Who even watches ESPN2 besides Scott Van Pelt? 
Now, obviously, Scott Van Pelt is fucking amazing. We love Scott. He's a stoolie. He's articulate. He's funny. He's creative. He's innovative. You know what he should do? He should leave fucking ESPN2 and go over to fucking Barstool. That's what he should do. And then ESPN2, you'd be fucked. You'd be fucked. You'd be in the fucking toilet. Everybody leaves your fucking team anyway. Anybody with any talent has left already. From Colin to everybody leaves you because you suck dick. You suck cock. You're just regurgitating the same shit you've done for 20 fucking years. There's nothing new. Besides Scott Van Pelt, Scott, I love you. Love you. Besides Scott, you suck dick. And it was such a shame that you embarrassed yourself because you lost one of the best innovative growth products you will ever have in your fucking life. You haven't had an original idea in two decades, ESPN, ESPN2. In two fucking decades! Two decades! You pay way too much for anything you buy. And I'm sure you got a bargain with Barstool because they wanted to have their brand pretty much infiltrate your entire fucking audience and take it away from you. Which is what they would have done. In essence, they would have put you out of business. Pretty much. But you fucked yourself, ESPN. I'm not going to go into the details. I'm not going to go into the sluts. I'm not going to go into it. It's old news already. But I just wanted to say my take on it. ESPN, you're a fucking jerk-off organization. You lost the greatest growth product you would have ever had in your fucking life. You couldn't pay hundreds of millions of dollars to get the eyeballs and the quality of the client that would have gone to you and watched all your dog shit advertising and watched your dog shit content that is dog fucking shit. It's the fucking worst I've ever fucking seen. It is horrible! Besides Scott Van Pelt. It is horrible! Besides S. D.P. So Big Cat, PFT, Hank, Rhea, Dave, KFC. From the bottom of my heart, let me just say it for you. ESPN2! Fuck! 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 You, 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 you! All right, so Halloween is coming up right now. And personally for me, my favorite holiday. My favorite holiday is 4th of July and Halloween. Halloween is numero uno. 4th of July is 1A. And that's really how it rolls with me. I guess if I was not a Jew, I might put Christmas up there, but I'm a fucking Jew. Although I am an Irish Catholic Jew because I married into Irish Catholic. And my children, although we raised the first two Jewish and they both were bar mitzvahed, in the eyes of the Jewish religion... They're not fucking anything because the mother never converted. So I have two Jews that got bar mitzvah that are not even fucking Jews. But that's for another day. So 4th of July is 1A and Halloween is 1. And the reason Halloween is 1 is, first of all, you got to do a lot of drugs on Halloween. It's just the way it rolls. And since I'm a little kid, since I was probably summer of 6th grade... Going into seventh grade, first time I smoked pot was on Halloween. First time I smoked pot was on Halloween. So it was, I think I took a hit summer of sixth grade going into seventh in like August. And we got so fucked up and we were so scared and so paranoid that we didn't try it again until seventh grade Halloween. And we got fucking obliterated. 
We smoked one joint between six of my buddies and we were fucking blasted. And we ate so much candy that I shit in my fucking pants. I'm talking diarrhea. I'm talking I ate so much that I did not make it into my house. I'll never forget it. My friends totally fucking laughed at me. I was in a Hulk costume and I shit all over myself. Literally in my costume, my Hulk costume. Where then, then you had a basic mask, a plastic fucking mask and some jerk off cotton thing you threw over and I was the fucking Hulk. Now you gotta spend 50, 100, 200, $500 on a fucking costume for Halloween. You can't get go to college because you're going to a Halloween party. You can't buy a car because you bought a Halloween fucking costume. That's how it is now. But then they were like eight bucks. So we smoked the joint. We ate as much candy as you could fit in somebody's mouth for six kids. And on the way home, up my lawn, I thought I fought it and I shit all over myself. And it wasn't shit. It, when I shit, it just be, it was like molten lava diarrhea. And it was all over myself. And it was fucking gross. And I barely made it into the shower where then I had to, I went into the shower with all my clothes on because I was afraid that the shit was going to flow out my socks, out my outfit, onto the floor, and my father would have beat the fuck out of me. My father was that type of guy. You know, you take a shit, on, on the carpet, you take a shit, you know, in the kitchen, coming in the house, you're gonna get a fucking beating. This, he's gonna beat me and then ask questions later. You know, that's how it rolled in my house. My father was a hands-on guy. You do something wrong, you get cracked. And then he asks you what you did. You get cracked. My mother says, they weren't good kids. Crack! And that's how it fucking rolled. So I would have caught the motherfucking beating. So hey, I'm stoned, stoned out of my mind. My stomach is gurgling. I shit in my pants. I shit all over my whole costume. I have loads of shit now down my legs. And thank God the costume was tight around my ankles because I was a fat kid and I'll never forget it. And the shit just culminated and it got caught at the bottom by my ankles. So with my clothes on, I went into the shower. And then I took all my clothes off and I, it took me like 45 minutes to clean the fucking shower because there was shit and it was soiled shit and it was pieces of shit, pieces of, let's say, peanuts were there and crunchies and corn because that night we had Zorn's Chicken. You don't know what Zorn's Chicken is, but it's the greatest fried chicken place on Hempstead Turnpike and Beth Page you've ever fucking seen in your life. They have live chickens outside that they fucking kill and you get fried chicken, you get fucking potatoes, you get french fries, you get fucking just ribs. You get everything from Zorn's. So anyway, I had Zorn's, got stoned with my friends, had candy, shit in my pants, ruined my whole costume. Took me 45 minutes in a fucking shower. But I didn't really give a fuck because I was laughing the whole fucking time. I got away with it. See, then when you got away with things when you're a little kid and you're stoned, it was the greatest fucking thing ever because couldn't call any of my friends. So the next morning they were like, Stu, did you get caught? Did you get caught? And I'm like, no, I got away with it. I was so fucking happy. So happy. So my experience with Halloween is eating drugs, shitting in my pants, and acting like a total fucking scumbag, a low-life person. So we used to get together with our friends, and whether it was drinking cases of beer, smoking ounces of pot, snorting eight balls of cocaine, or eating acid, everything was surrounded around the holiday of Halloween. We would cut school, we would cause havoc, we would throw eggs, 
We would toilet paper people's houses. We would silly string people's houses. We would go and trick or treat. And then we would set this big little marshmallow box that we made that looked like the top of it was marshmallow, but under it was dog shit. We'd light it on fire. The person would come out of the house, put the fire out, step on it, and step on dog shit. Yes, we did it all. It was fucking great. They used to have this place called Chicken Delight right in Farmingdale on Boundary Avenue. And we and then delivery, remember, this is going back, this is like 1972, three, four. They didn't check out what, when, you, when someone said, yeah, I'd like this delivered, they didn't call you back. They didn't check it. So we used to send, we used to call Chicken Delight and send Chicken Delight to all our neighbors, all our neighbors. Halloween. It was fucking great. It was so fucking funny. So you'd have this jerk off guy in a truck, get out, knock on the fucking door. Chicken Delight. The guy would go, well, I didn't order Chicken Delight. They'd say, yes, you did. You ordered Chicken Delight. The guy would say, I didn't order Chicken Delight. There was no call capturing then. There was no verification. Then you were fucked. And then while the driver went back into his truck, we used to nail him with fucking eggs to add insult to injury, nail him with fucking eggs. And we did this like four different fucking times during every Halloween. And it was just, you know, it was rude. It was horrible, but we had a fucking great time doing it. We really fucking did. And then we would shaving cream the fucking guy's car while he walked up to the house and he'd get back in his car and be fucking shaving cream in it. We'd shaving cream all our neighbors' cars, all neighbors' houses, egg all their fucking houses, get fucking wasted. And there was like 30 to 50 kids doing this. It wasn't just Stu Finer. It was the group. And I was married into this group. We lived in a place, Viceroy, in North Massapequa. And it's 400 houses, one way in, one way out. And it backed up to the woods and it backed up to Farmingdale High School. And during... Halloween, it would be fucking crazy because you would have fights with gangs for some reason. Halloween was very heated and there were gangs, whether it was the little mafia, whether it was the greases, whether it was the jocks, whether it was the freaks or whether it was just people that were very, very mellow. But on Halloween, if they got into a group, they got fired up. We got people drunk. We got people wasted, got people stoned for the first time. They ate acid and ate mescaline, and either they would see trails and trip, or they would just be out of their mind speeding and laughing, and we'd be able to control them, because they're not really used to getting so fucked up, just like we weren't used to when we were young, but since we got used to that, then we used to take advantage of the other kids, the younger kids, or kids that wanted to be in our group, kids that weren't that cool. It would be like an initiation, as if you were in a fraternity, and you'd have to go through the ritual. Well, Halloween, we tortured fucking people, literally fucking tortured them, and it was absolutely terrorizing. It it was fucking terror at its finest. Now, we didn't want to hurt anybody. We were just having fun. We were kids. Then that's what happened with kids. That's what we did. Now, eating acid on Halloween when you were tripping and you saw trails and things would, you see hallucinations in front of you and things would melt in front of you would be absolutely incredible because you'd have all these fucking people in all these fucking costumes. And literally, if you're not in the right mind, you could lose your fucking mind. You could absolutely go absolutely crazy because all these people are in costumes. You're tripping out of your fucking mind. You're wasted. And all of a sudden, you might lose your mind where you think everything's
things real. And certain people we had had really bad trips on Halloween because they would be like screaming. They'd be like, I just saw a devil! I just saw a skeleton! I just saw a werewolf! He's coming to kill me! He's coming to kill me! And they would have bad trips. And we would just be hysterical fucking laughing. And then like these people would be so fucking stupid where we would then tell them to do stupid shit. Like go up and ring somebody's doorbell and run away. Or listen, you better take all your clothes off because the, the way you come down from a bad trip is if you take all your clothes off, you'll feel better. Which of course, the minute they took their clothes off, we just egged the fuck out of them and we fucking, we would put shaving cream all over them and then we'd roll them in leaves and roll them in mud and we'd ruin their fucking lives. We'd absolutely ruin their lives. We would take all their candy, we'd put fucking silly string all over them. We would take their candy and we, and we would put like um, this special type of tape around them and tape all their candy to them and just put them in a garbage can, put the garbage can on top of them in a garbage can, smash it with baseball bats. And we really, we just terrorize fucking these kids. Terrorize them. Just fucking terrorize them. And that was Halloween. That's what it was all about. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of energy. But if you were on the wrong side of Halloween, if you had a bad trip, if you were gonna be abused like in a fraternity where for the initiation you had to go through it, to be part of our group, you would have to go through it. It would be a living fucking nightmare. You would wish you were fucking dead. You would wish you were anywhere else but with us on Halloween. And a lot of times, we would make kids do things they can never, ever, ever do on their own. They would never do. Kids that have never done anything wrong in their life. They never, ever didn't dot an I and cross the T on a homework assignment. They were never late for school. They said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. But on Halloween, we would juice up their beer. We'd put a hit of acid in their drink. They didn't fucking know it. And all of a sudden, we're making this guy through a fucking brick through a window of someone's house. And they would have the biggest set of balls ever. They'd go right up to the lawn, right through the fucking window. And then we'd run away. Cops would be coming. Cops would be screaming. Fire engines would be coming because we always, three or four times we got people where we lit the marshmallow box right on their fucking house. They'd be stepping in shit. Things would be lighting on fire. Sometimes their pants caught on fire. Sometimes if they had props at their house, they would catch on fire. Things absolutely got out of hand. Absolutely got insane. Absolutely got so fucking crazy that if you ask the people that were involved, they would swear this never happened. They would swear it never happened because they would never own up to it. Because it was so uncharacteristic for people to act like this. But for some reason, on Halloween, in Viceroy, in North Massapequa, 1970, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, and even 76, up to ninth grade, it was fucking crazy. It was fucking insane. Now, 1977, Halloween, we'd be looking to fuck. We'd be looking to fuck. We'd be looking for girls and to fuck. And the key is how many times can you get laid on Halloween? How many times can you come on Halloween? So then we were not looking to wreck anybody's house no more. We were not looking to cause havoc. There was no initiation no more. We're looking for pussy. And pussy on Halloween is twice as good as pussy any other day. Let me say it again. Pussy on Halloween is twice as good as pussy any other day. So when you come this Tuesday, 
Halloween, get your fucking pussy. Cause pussy tastes better. It tastes sweeter. Ass tastes better. It tastes sweeter. A blowjob when you're blowing your load feels better. It feels more satisfying. When you're fucking on Halloween, you feel like a king. You feel like a devil. You feel bad. You're a badass. You're in a costume. You're fucking. You're not yourself. You come out of your fucking shell and you just go for it. You fucking go for it. Now remember, this is in a much pruder time than we're talking about now. Now that's uh, what I just described to you as a fucking Friday night. It's a stoolie night. It's every Friday night. It's every Saturday night. It's every night at a fucking real college that parties. Every at a real high school on a Friday and Saturday night in the woods where they party. But not in 1970, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76. Much different landscape. Much different environment. Much different world. So what I'm describing to you now, which for you guys is a normal Saturday night or a normal torture of new people trying to pledge for us, it was epic because we started the trend. First, we were abused by younger, when we were young, by older kids. And we carried this through throughout our entire Halloween experience. So Halloween was motherfucking amazing. And when we got into 15, 16, we were just looking to come and come as many times as possible. So where you used to measure, how much candy did you get? We used to measure, how much pussy did you get? How many times did you come? Who did you fuck? And again, the rule on Halloween was everybody was a 10. So it didn't matter if the girl was 350 fucking pounds and smelt like a motherfucking sewer and her pussy smelt like a fucking fish market. We didn't care because on Halloween, we were just looking to score and to score as many times as you can. Nobody was particular. Everybody was wearing a costume. You had no idea what they looked like. They could be ones, they could be fours, but when you're fucking them in your mind with the costume, she's Wonder Woman. I'm drilling this fucking girl. She's wearing a Farrah Fawcett outfit. I'm fucking Farrah Fawcett. She's wearing a Jane Fonda. I'm fucking Jane Fonda. I'm fucking Raquel Welch. I'm fucking the hottest woman in the world. Didn't matter if she was a pig, didn't matter if she was a whore, didn't matter if she was a slut, didn't matter if she was the ugliest girl on this planet with zits and pussing zits and pus coming down her fucking face that in a normal area, you might not have made a move at all or you would not have even been able to get hard. You wouldn't have been able to even get hard because you're talking gross, fucking gross. Halloween, everybody's a 10, everybody's ready to roll. Everybody's having fun. Hand jobs. <laughs> Blow jobs. <laughs> Grinding with the girl against her ass with clothes on and her costume. You come, it counts. You come, it counts. You're trying to shoot at least five or six loads. That's pretty much what Halloween was when we were in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. Right up until 10th grade. Then in 11th grade, we became human beings. Everybody had girlfriends. Everybody acted mature. And Halloween pretty much was nothing. It was pretty much fucking nothing. You made sure your house didn't get destroyed. You sat in front of your house with a fucking, either a BB gun or with rocks or with your friends. You showed power. You showed strength. So if anybody did come to your fucking house, they were not going to fucking fuck with you because they were going to get a motherfucking beating. And we were looking to give somebody a beating. And that's how we pretty much rolled. So that's what happened when we got older. 
But when we were younger, we either terrorized the neighborhood, terrorized houses, terrorized neighbors, people, friends, classmates. And God forbid if you were a teacher in my town. God forbid if you were a teacher in my town. You might as well move because we destroyed your fucking house. Absolutely fucking destroyed it. Destroyed it from painted your car, spray painted your house, kicked over your garbage cans, broke all your fucking windows, toilet paper, every fucking thing in the fucking world. It was crazy. Running away from the cops was a normal occurrence seven, eight, ten times during a normal Halloween. Because that's what we did. We knew where to go in the woods, how to get away from the cops, how to get away with not get arrested, not get in trouble. Then, let's talk about if you did get caught and you did get in trouble. You immediately had to talk your way out of it. Because then, remember, it's not like now. Now they arrest you. Now they take pictures of you. Now they got you on film. Now they know that being a jerk-off means being a jerk-off. Then being a jerk-off was, hey, listen, I'm sorry. It was the only time I've ever done this. I was in a group. I had to get into this group. They made me do this. I'm a straight-A student. Blah, 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 blah. You would talk your way out of it. We would have exact scripts written that if you got arrested, exactly what you said to the cop. It's Halloween. I didn't mean it. It's never been done before. I was forced to do it. It was peer pressure. I want to be in this group. I love this girl, and the girl said the only way she be with me as if I'm in this group and this is what we threw at the cops and then cops were cool cops said okay go home okay it was really not right okay and they just let you get away with fucking murder it was almost commonplace where the police knew then Halloween was total fucking havoc it was like an asylum it was not believable unless you were fucking there and if it happened to you it was devastating but since I was always on pretty much the leader group or I was with the leaders until I became the leader, I took very, very little abuse. I took abuse when I was in sixth grade and seventh grade. And I shit my pants a lot of times because I would always overeat. I was a fat kid on a diet, start August, try to starve so I look good for girls in school in September, October. Then all of a sudden October comes, Halloween, I'm trying to starve. And then Halloween, getting stoned, getting fucked up, I would always start eating candy. I'd eat candy, eat people's candy. I'd eat too much candy. And then one thing about candy is you know your stomach gets loose. And if you're drinking beer with candy, if you're smoking pot and you have too much candy and you're drinking alcohol, then it was when we were young, it was Boone's Farm. It was Mad Dog 2020. God forbid you drank vodka then when you were a young kid. And then basic beer. Beer and candy don't mix. Vodka and candy don't mix. It just does not mix. Liquor and candy don't mix. Chocolate doesn't mix. You got chocolate, you got peanut butter, you got nuts, you got crunchies. You're going to get fucking sick. And I was a fucking psycho because my first drug of choice is food, is sugar, is carbs. So I would eat fucking thousands of calories and I would always shit in my fucking pants. I can't tell you how many times I had to go home and go into the shower with my clothes on and grab a garbage bag and throw everything out. Then when I threw the garbage out and my father threw the garbage out, he would be like, what the fuck stinks in this garbage? And it would be my fucking shit. Now I try to wipe the shit off and I try to clean the shit off my fucking body and it would try to go down the drain. But certain times I just had to throw my clothes away into a bag and I wasn't washing my clothes. I was just taking the clothes off, putting them in a bag and I was washing my body and taking all the shit off my body. So it would just be a gross, horrible, fucking disgusting situation. And then 
you would have to take the garbage out to the street and the garbage would smell like somebody died in the garbage can. My father would go, what the fuck happened? What the happened? What happened? What happened? I don't know, dad. I don't know. I don't know. This is not me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that's pretty much how you fucking played it. So Halloween coming on Tuesday, October 31st. Try to live it like I did when I was a kid. Get fucked up! Fuck your brains out! Everybody is a fucking 10 on Halloween. There's no sixes. There's no fives, four, three, two, ones. Everybody's a 10. Everybody's in a costume. Don't be particular. You eat ass. You lick clit. I would not throw up. I would not shit in your pants because I would not recommend that because that is a total fucking nightmare, a total fucking horror show. So what I would do is make sure that you enjoy Halloween because I fucking love Halloween. I so love Halloween. I say prayers probably into my 30s for things I did to people during Halloween that were just total fucking nightmares, total fucking havoc, whether it was lighting your house on fire, whether it was silly stringing your whole fucking house, whether it was abusing your children, your wife, your family, your property, your cars, your lawn, whether it was egging your fucking house mercilessly, whether it was shaving, creaming everything you fucking own, silly stringing everything you own, whether it was the marshmallow box where we rang your doorbell and you stepped on the box that was on fire and then your feet were in fucking dog shit, really smelly dog fucking shit. And in certain times, what we would do is we'd go into the woods and everybody would take a shit in the box. So we'd have like five different boxes and then we'd put this marshmallow on top of it and then we'd light it on fucking fire and put it on your lawn. So everybody would take a chance, take like a shot to just squat and shit, squat and shit, squat and shit. And they always fed me with a lot of candy because I had shit going down, shit and diarrhea into these boxes. It was called the Marshmallow Box, and I invented it, and I thought it was really fucking funny. Now, it's pathetic. That's why on Halloween, I sit on my lawn with a gun, and I'm looking for someone to come, and I'm looking to put a fucking BB through your fucking skull. Pretty much how it rolls, because thieves never rest. You remember what you did. You think it's coming back to you, and that's pretty much how I fucking handle it. And I had a lot of Halloween parties at my house when we were young, because I felt so bad for what I did when I was a kid, and I wanted to have, make sure people had fun, I was the only person in the neighborhood spending anywhere between ten dollars to $20,000 on Halloween parties. Make you come in a costume. I'd have a 10-course meal set up at my house because I had the only $2 million house in fucking Farmingdale. Well, I pretty much still do. And I would have everything. I would have 10 courses of food. I would have your chocolate fondue dipping before they even fucking had these things. I made them. I had your marshmallow fondues. I had your cupcakes. I had every fucking thing you can imagine from candy corn to popcorn to every fucking thing you could think of. Cakes, cookies, ice cream, ice cream bars. And everybody was dressed in like a ghoul outfit. Everybody was either... Dracula or Frankenstein or anything fucking scary. And we used to hide in the bushes and scare the living fuck out of kids. Whether it was my kids or the kids that came, you know, it's not hard to scare a five, six, seven, eight-year-old. You know, you jump out of the bushes, you go, bah! Bah! And we'd be in like this crazy outfit with crazy music. We'd have something recorded. Music would come. Lights would flash. Strobe lights. And we would just scare the living fuck out of kids at my house. And they would, you know, a lot of them cried and left. Like, they were like, Mommy, I want to go home. I want to go. This is great. 
probably traumatized these fucking kids. These kids are in therapy right now talking about when they came to my house during Halloween and we scared the living fuck out of them where they shit in their pants and they didn't even eat any candy. They just shit in their pants because they lost their faculties because I scared the fuck out of them because I love scaring people. Love fucking scaring people. Love being scared. Nothing better than scaring people and being fucking scared. There's no two ways about it. It is drop dead, invigorating, and it's highly exciting and highly fucking enjoyable. So this Halloween, scare the fuck out of someone. Scare the fuck out of your kids. Make them cry. Make them fucking weep and get them on their fucking knees and then say, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween from your source, Stu Fighter. Happy motherfucking Hollows fucking Eve. All right, basically that's where we're at right now. A quickie on this podcast today, not normally my one hour edition. We're just going to get hot and heavy to it. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy Halloween. Make sure you get over to stewfiner.com to buy my games because I'm making people hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and in certain circumstances, hundreds of thousands. My NFL is the best in the nation. My college football has come alive. Major League Baseball, I'm ready to roll with World Series action to end an epic, epic year where I had 15 straight winning weeks in a row from April, May, June into middle of July. 15 straight fucking weeks. Think about that. 15 straight weeks. I did not have a losing week. 15 straight fucking weeks. NBA will start getting hot. You know how good I am in the NBA and college basketball right around the corner November 10th. So make sure you pay me for the college basketball packages at stewfiner.com. Follow me on all my social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the thing I enjoy the most, which is Snapchat. Love fucking Snapchat. Do anywhere between 30 to 70 snaps a day. Not only am I funny as fuck, am I creative, am I innovative, but I am the only person in the world that does what I do and the only person that can do what I do. And I also give you a free pick on Snapchat so you can make some fucking money along the way of laughing your fucking balls off, you can kill your fucking bookmaker. And also, I'd like you to buy my merchandise. I have a lot of different shirts that I sell. I have the I'm Stu Finer and You're Fucking Not, which is my signature shirt. I have my leading seller, which is I Will Kill Your Bookmaker. I also have my Run Stu shirt, where a week from this Sunday, I'm running the New York City Marathon, ready to roll, have run over 430 miles, and I'm ready to perform. I would love you to come out to root me along the way. 26.2 miles. I'm ready. I've done all my preparation. I've done everything right. I'm holding on for dear life right now, not partying, not smoking pot, not snorting coke not eating sugar or complex carbohydrates. I'm eating clean. It's 10 days away and I've locked myself in my house where I'm not going to restaurants anymore, not going to any concerts, any sporting events. I'm just gonna try to stay off my feet, be mellow, pick winners, fuck my wife, and run this motherfucking marathon in under five hours. Four hours and 31 minutes is what I think it's gonna be. And if you guess the exact time where you could post on my Twitter feed, the closest person to my exact time gets all five shirts. And the other shirts we have, which is Eclit, Lick Ass, and Fuck, like your Stu Finer, which is a great shirt. Eclit, Lick Ass, and Fuck, which is a great shirt. Life is simple. Just a really phenomenal shirt. 
And we have a cum towel where after you cum, instead of using your clothes, you can use my cum towel to wipe your cum, wipe your girls cum, your guys cum, whatever it is. And Stu Nation is varied from men and women, boys to older men, soup to nuts. Everybody loves me. Men want to be me. Women want to fuck me or have been fucked by me where I fucked over 2,000 women. Yes, I'm proud of that. Yes. And I've eaten clit and licked ass every fucking one of them because that's how I roll. I never fuck without eating ass first and licking clit because as my father taught me, if you can't eat it, you don't fuck it. It's the rule I die by. It's the rule I die by. Never ran out a friend, and if you can't eat it, you don't fuck it. Pretty much that simple. And I have a high tolerance where I'll eat anything almost. I'll eat a dead rat. If, you're, if your pussy smells like a dead rat, I'm still going in. It has to be putrid where I throw up to such a level that the throw up goes in my nose, in my mouth, and I almost pass out. Boring that, I'm eating your pussy, I'm eating your ass, and I'm fucking you hard, and I'm going to shoot several loads. Not one, not two, probably three. That's how I roll. That's how I fucking roll. So you can buy my merchandise. I have a stew store on stewfinder.com. I also have another link, belikestew.com, that has every size possible, up to quadruple extra large, up to super small. I sell mugs. And I sell a lot of stuff. So I appreciate everybody listening to my podcast. I love you very much. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Hopefully it's lucrative. Hopefully I'm able to murder your fucking bookmaker and make you hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands. And have an amazing Halloween. And remember, I'm Stu Fighter! You're fucking not! <laughs>